Hello and welcome to episode three of the Gone Writing Podcast. I'm Chucky Maggio, JP Butler right here. Right. We got got Derek Tucker in the back seat. We are coming home from my city, Rochester, New York, as you know, not not really much to talk about after after that game against Vermont, but we're we're gonna try. We're no, gonna... that was a that was a snooze fest. You know, as, as Schmidt said after the Canisius game, you know, that one probably won't get sent to Springfield. You, you know, just just uh, absolutely no happened. action. Just just no action. Nothing at the end. Very climatic, anticlimactic finish. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna do our best here. For for those who for those who uh, don't know by now and have maybe been living under a rock or whatever, Bonas wins. I don't even remember 71, 69, 80, 81, 79. 81, 79. Some 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 writer I am. On one of the most incredible final plays, I think Bonaventure has ever seen. And Adam Adams takes down full length and the poor after after a basically volleyball. Tip tip in by uh, Vermont. They couldn't 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 get it tipped in until the end, and then Adams takes it all the way down. Uh, gives it gives it to Mobley, who, of course, does the Matt Mobley thing. I don't I don't know if he'll ever. Don't want to jinx him, but I don't I don't know if he'll ever miss that shot. Ten, at uh, ten times out of ten, I think he I think he makes that. And uh, it was funny as on his uh, on his Instagram Instagram post after the game, because you you know you know everyone had to take it to social media after that game. His caption was "couldn't take couldn't take that one away from me." Um, obviously, referring to the VCU game last year. So great. I mean, Anthony Lamb shows out in his return to Rochester. He was an amazing player for Greece Athena. I'm glad that I never had to play him at at uh, Eastridge High School. We would have gotten smoked. No offense to uh, no offense to all my former teammates. It was it was fun times. But uh, Lamb plays great. Adams plays great. Mobley's that that bucket was his first points of the game. Forgot to forgot to mention that at first. JP, what were, you, what were your thoughts? Well, I mean, uh, so I'm gonna try to do my best here as I navigate these uh, still somewhat snowy roads, making our way back uh, from Rochester to Olean. That was a game we certainly took our time on, you know, with our stories afterward because of just the magnitude of of what happened in that game. Not only uh, was it just a dramatic, you know, thrilling last, you know, buzzer-beating victory, but it was also a huge, huge win for Bonner to be able to pull out. And the fact that it was just another top 100 opponent in Vermont, uh, you know, Vermont came into that game at number 70. Uh, so twice now already this season, Bonner has been able to pick up these just thrilling, uh, you know, wins over, over uh, you know, some of the best teams on their schedule over over Maryland and Vermont. Uh, that's two top 100 wins on the year. And as we know, this team went 0-9, you know, against the top 100 last year. So already uh, they're off to a much better start in that regard this year. Um, you know, just kind of another resume. I know it's still kind of early, but another resume type type of win and uh, you know the one thing I'll, I'll say about it and it's still early but this is something that I kind of asked Jalen you know after the game is the one thing that really stood out to me about that 2015-16 team just two years ago was its ability to come up big in these kinds of moments like that was a good team anyway but it's a, a talented team 
but its ability to win these kinds of games, to make that play at the end. I mean, that's what that team did, you know, as we saw at the end of that Dayton game on the road and the, 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 the St. Louis game. You know, we said that was that was the last buzzer-beating win was the, the St. Louis game that year where Adams, you know, hit the three at the buzzer to win it. Um, and, and a number, you know, a number of other games that they just something clicked at the end of the game where they just got it together and you knew that somehow, some way they were going to pull it out. It's early, but this team already is starting to show some signs of that kind of gene where at the end of the game, whether they're up, you know, by a few or even down, something's going to happen. Somebody's going to make a play, especially with that backcourt, you know, Adams and Mobley and, and Adams was obviously part of it the first time around two years ago. Something's going to happen where, where they're going to win the game. And if this team can continue, uh, you know, 8-2 and two now, uh, already with a couple of big victories and, a, and another big chance looming here with Syracuse, uh, that's, that's, the kind, that's the difference between being an NCAA tournament team and being what last year's team was, where they were pretty good but never really got it done you know, at the, at the end of a big game. Um, and I think we're kind of starting to see that unfold a, a little bit through the first 10 games this year. Exactly. What we, what we always said last year was this team's – actually going into, this, going into this season, we said this group, their first, their first big – their next big win is going to be their first one. And we and, saw that with Maryland. And, and they proved it, and then that was unbelievable because of the fact that they did it away from the Riley Center against the top 40 team without their best player. I mean, that's just unbelievable. But in terms of just sheer, uh, you know, amazing game, I mean, we said, you know, even before Mobley's shot went down that this has to be the game of the year so far just because of how good of a game it was back and forth. Every time it looked like Bonner was going to pull away, Vermont would, would make a three-pointer and get back into it. Uh, you know, down the stretch, Bonner just made one big play after another. A lot of Courtney Stockard, who, whose name's going to get lost in this whole thing. Uh, so, for a game itself, um, you know, just just, a, just an amazing game overall. Um, but, but, but yeah, this is these are the these are the kinds of games that last year's team, um, you know, wasn't able to pull out, and that's why they ended up being, you know. I don't want to say average because they won 20 games. They were, it was a really good team. But th this, this, these are the kinds of things that need to happen in order to be a tournament team. Yeah, you mentioned Stockard. And how about the bench tonight? Stockard obviously coming off. He's a, he's a sixth, sixth man, seventh man. Has a chance to honestly be in the running for sixth man of the year if he continues to uh, be on the bench. Isaiah Brock, come off the bench, I mean. Isaiah Brockington, just a... Absolutely incredible game. One of uh, one of my f friends from home who maybe watches watches one Bonnie's game a year uh, was was there, and he mentioned, "How about the lefty? How about Brockington?" And when I mentioned he was only a freshman, he was he he, he responded, "Wow, Brockington showed no shows shows no signs of being a freshman at least offensively. If he makes a bad play, it doesn't look out of the ordinary." And he just put together an effort. And then Amadi Akpizi, what what else could you say about him in the first? He had that he had that baby baby hook working. He had he he was playing great defense. Him and him and Josh Ianni through the first half 
went through it with only a, a, a foul each, I'm pretty sure. Ayeni went the first 15 minutes without fouling. Obviously, in the second half, as the game was called a little bit tighter, there was a lot more fouls, and Ayeni ended up being... Ayeni and PZ ended up picking up the fouls. But they did a great job playing without fouling. And then you, you just look at the... You just look at this entire bench, and as, as, as we said, Stockard, and everything really came together, even when Nelson Caputo didn't really play a lot. He's been, he's been hampered. Um, but Brockington and Stockard are, 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 are picking up the slack, and just, just, just the bench just had an incredible, incredible performance tonight. I think they had 40 bench points. 40 points. Well, that, it just, that, that just tells you how just amazing and, and memorable and traumatic that last shot was by Mobley where here you can have a game that you can that you forget about the fact almost that Amadi Pizzi played the best game of his career. No doubt. I mean, career, high. Career, career high 13, 6 for 6 shooting and and just just an array, showing us an array of, of, of post moves and footwork that I don't think he's really ever displayed before. I mean, if 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 this is maybe a, a sign that he's really kind of starting to, to progress offensively, that is a, that would be big for Bana going forward because he was doing some things today that we haven't seen him do. The fact that you can forget about all the plays at the end of that game that, that Stockard made. I mean, he had uh, the three-pointer as part of the back-to-back threes with, with Adams right. that took a 69-66 deficit to a 72-69 lead. He had a jumper that put him up two with two-something left. Then he All had the, the three, clutch shots. Then he had the three-point play with two minutes left that put him up three. At that point, I thought, okay, this maybe is where they kind of put it away. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, but the fact that you can uh, just forget about the fact that they had these six other guys in double figures, um, you know, and Mobley's not one of them, just shows, just, that? Just, just shows how, uh, just how amazing it was at the end. But I think the two... The two biggest takeaways with, with that are just one, you know, it, it, it's it was pretty amazing to see just by itself that Bonnet was able to have six players score in double figures, and and their leading scorer isn't one of them, um, you know, and I I just think that uh, bodes well that um, in this one instance today they were able to overcome the fact that. Matt had up to that point probably the worst game of his career, and that's with guy you know a guy like Isaiah Brockington stepping up the way he did, totally made up for the fact that Mobley you know wasn't able to get in the game. He only took two shots before that, uh, and, and two just going forward that this is a team that very well could be able to win some games even if a guy like Adams and Mobley aren't playing their their best. And I think last year. In most cases, if even one of those two guys was struggling, or certainly both, they weren't going to have much of a chance to win the game. And one game that really sticks out to me in that regard is the GW Row game. Oh, no doubt. They, they went down there, and that was a blowout for a lot of the game because GW was doing a really good job on both Adams and Mobley. And nobody, I mean, Ando, I think, hit some shots that game. But nobody else was really stepping up and, and, and you know, able to to make up for, you know, for that lack of production. And there were a number of games I think Bonda lost that way, you know, last year. This year, they've already won some games without Adams, as we know. They already got one of their biggest win, the biggest win in the season without Adams. And they made up 
for the fact today that they didn't have that that Mobley was a total non-factor for 39 minutes and 59 seconds. So I, I think that just that's something that bodes well for this team. That even if those guys are struggling, they've got some some players on this team that can step up, that can make big shots, that can score. Uh, I mean that I, Brockington just continues to impress me with his fearlessness and his his willingness to take and make some of the shots that he does. And I think you know we I don't want to veer too far off here, but I, he he just continues to prove to me that he should be getting, you know, more minutes because of just what he can give you offensively. And I hate to say that at the expense of Adrice Taki, who, you know, played only 10 minutes tonight and went 0 for 1 from the field. But it's hard to leave a guy like Brockington on the bench when he's doing what he's doing. And then, like I said, if if a guy like Ikpizi can start to bring you more of that kind of footwork and, and, and moves around the basket, I mean, that that's that's when things start to get, to get interesting. It was... It was it was interesting. You mentioned the six people and six players in double figures. Uh, we asked we asked Steve Mess, the Bon SID, when if he knew when the last time that happened, and he said there were a lot of five players getting uh, five players getting in double figures, but we have still yet to find out the instance of a sixth. So if if you're a if you're a stat box score whiz and and you can figure that out, uh, go and tell us. But as far as the last four or five years, or, or maybe in the Schmidt era, it hasn't happened, which is 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 pretty incredible. And obviously, we mentioned the mentioned the forwards, the big men, the post post players, and we've we've really mentioned only mentioned them as we haven't really mentioned them as back to the basket players. We've mentioned them as obviously obviously Ieni will be open free and open in his in his spots at the elbows for for a shot every mid-range shot almost every single time and usually make it um it it, 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 it almost the same thing he really gets the putbacks and everything um but Aaron Griffin had been the maybe the most post sound for the for the while but the, the big men are really developing those those post moves. Even even Ieni is starting to play with his back to the basket a little more, which is credit to uh, credit to Dave Moore, the assistant assistant who is mainly working with the big men. They haven't really gotten gotten Dene Gay into any sort of motion, but everybody else is really starting to come along there, and that's what you really need also. As uh, as an Atlantic 10 contending NCAA tournament contending team, you need at least some play from the post players, like we saw from Deion Wright and others in 2015-16. Well, I think that I think that's exactly what it is. That's why I think we've we've seen a different Bonnet team over these last you know several weeks now. You know, Bonnet's won five games in a row. They obviously look like a completely different team from the one that dropped that season opener to Niagara. And I think the, 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 the two big keys are, you know, we knew kind of what they were bringing back offensively and what they were going to, to be in that regard. But two of the biggest question marks coming in were how much improved defensively is this team going to be and are they going to be able to get anything from the front court? How much are they going to be able to get from the front court? Because, yeah, they're only going to go as far as Adams and Mobley take them, 
but the only the only way they'll they'll be able to, to, to get as far as they want is if they get something from the front court and if they're at least a little bit better defensively. And in the early going, they have been. Uh, I mean, especially defensively. Defense, I mean, probably the most you know dramatic thing that maybe we don't talk about a whole lot is just how improved defensively they are from last season. They came in to uh, today's game still number one in the A-10 in scoring defense and field goal percentage defense. I think they were number two in three-point defense. And the thing they've just really done a good job of all year long is just getting those steals, getting in the passing lanes, tipping passes, making things happen, creating these turnovers that have allowed their offense to get going a little bit when maybe the offense hasn't clicked as, as, as much as we're accustomed to seeing. Um, you know, they, they were number 10, I think, in the nation coming in and turnover margin at like plus six a game. Um, those are things that weren't happening last year. I mean, they, they, they've really done a good job defensively in a lot of games. As I pull off of 390 here, just making sure that we're on the, <laughs> on the right track. And, and then with the big men. Um, you know, early on, I think both of those guys, you know, have had their struggles. Ikpizi, you know, really showing any improvement from last year, and Ieni, you know, just being able to stay on the floor with the foul trouble. But in the last, you know, couple of games, Ieni's gotten better in that department, and I don't think he's ever really going to be a back to the basket player. I don't at this point. I don't think there's any expectation for him to be. I don't think there's a need for him to be. <laughs> there, there, there really isn't because because his. I mean, we clearly it's it's clear what his game is, and that's that's the, um, the you know the pick and pop the. Had him having Adams break his guy down and then and then pass it over to Ianni, who always just seems to have an open look from you know the almost no one around him the, ever the, the elbow there 15 feet um, and he can be pretty automatic w- with that and I think that's just a I think they appreciate that part of their their offense I think it, they they know that um, that adds a different element to their offense and it can kind of open things up a little more so I think they're totally fine with that and then and then just. You know, working to to bring Ikpizi along uh, inside, and, and again, like I said, some of the you know some of the the, the, the pump fakes and the footwork and shots he was making today, um, you know, again, career high 13 points. They are finally starting to get something out of that front court now, and you know, we've seen the improvement defensively, even if it's not every game. You know, today it was an offensive game, back and forth, back and forth. Um, Clearly, they've made strides in both areas, and the fact that they have, and if they can continue to do so, again, that's what is going to make this team, you know, potentially be able to to, to, to meet all these expectations we had in the preseason. Definitely, and uh, and and one final thought: I was kind of talking about it with a bunch of people. Um, that one one final thought on on this game uh, is that. It seemed for a lot of the time, and and even though they, even though Vermont scored differently uh, at the end, it seemed a lot like the UNC Wilmington game from last year. Obviously, that one was with with students in the RC. A lot of stuff was different, but it was still a quality uh, mid-major opponent that seemed, from every indication, is is going to be a favorite to be in the NCAA tournament. I'll be shocked if they aren't, and Wilmington. It was the same thing, and the the big difference was it, it, against Wilmington, 
the uh, Bonnies were not able to, 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 to pull off the win. And obviously tonight they were. And that's another thing when we talk about the difference between 2015-16, 2016-17, and 2017-18 current team is that these wins are already becoming more probable because this team has all the makeup of a team that can can pull it out and uh, like like Schmidt and, and a bunch of players always say no no moment is is too big now as we look ahead it's 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 kind of crazy to think that 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 this team is not even close they're, they're close but they're not out of the woods yet by any stretch in the non-conference because on Wednesday Northeastern comes to the rally center and Northeastern actually beat Vermont last week by I think four points yeah so Northeastern already pulled out the win so a lot of the a lot of the students and fans and and noticeably and, and sort of understandably so uh, we're we're already talking about how they want they want Cuse and they can't wait for the Cuse game and uh, see you see you next Friday uh, to to everybody see you on Friday to everybody while we are obviously everybody's geared up for 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 the for that game North Northeastern is going to be just as much of a challenge to me maybe not to the stre- not maybe not to the point of it needing to be a game winner but. Northeastern is going to bring it, especially when when they're playing in, in the Raleigh Center with no with students in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one thing just to, to wrap up Vermont for me, too, um, as you said, yeah, that was a very similar test to what they got the last two years in Hofstra in 2015 and Wilmington last year. And we know both of those games ended in losses. So to me, that's yet another indication that this team might have the proper makeup needed because obviously in this instance, it was a win over a very, very good Vermont team. That's that's the one thing I just want to wrap up with real quick is I don't know if people understand just how nice of a win that was. This is a, a Vermont team that won, went undefeated, won the America East, conference championship last year played Purdue tough in the NCAA tournament brought most of their guys back from that team and and is very likely going to be in that position again this year Um, you know same as as, as Hofstra and uh, Wilmington were as most likely going to you know end up winning their league and playing in the NCAA tournament maybe even winning a game in the NCAA tournament so you know the fact that Bonner was able to do what they did in a game uh, of that magnitude, like I said, of two NCAA tournament hopefuls, you know, again, I, I think is something that that bodes well. Um, you know, now two top 100 wins with two more, uh, you know, chances here at, at, a, at a nice and maybe necessary victory going into the start of conference play. I went into, I basically wrote my, my preview story for the Vermont game saying that, okay, here's this final critical three-game stretch, you know, two of them against top 100 teams in Vermont at number 70 and Syracuse at number 57, uh, where they may need to win both of them to realistically be in the at-large conversation at the end of the year. Now, it's early, so much can happen. 
Uh, but just as it stands right now, I think that would probably need to be the case just from the standpoint, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, one of the big differences between this year and the 2015-16 team schedule-wise is the fact that Bonnet isn't going to have as many built-in opportunities for big wins this year as they did that year. That year you had a top 20 Dayton team that they played twice, a top 35-ish St. Joe's team that they played twice, a top 35-40-ish VCU team, a good Rhode Island team. There was a chance at, at, at a lot of key victories there. Obviously, they got the two against Joe's. That was huge. Nobody's going to be ranked th- th- this year. Th- those aren't going to be games that they have on the conference schedule, built those built-in opportunities. And so they really do have to make hay in the non-conference season. And not only that, but just for just for um, you know aesthetics, um, just for the eye test, for for national people, you you, you start to turn people's attention now by getting these wins now and then you have their attention going into conference play and that's where you already have the reputation as being able to 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 win these big games so just just from the standpoint of needing some some top 100 top 50 victories obviously they're going to need them now so to me yeah you might have to go in to conference play at 10 and 2 with three you know, top 100 wins. It's, it's, it's hard to, to, to view it now as every game needing to be a must-win. This is a must-win. That's a must-win. That's all it is anymore these days with, with talking about brackets and, and looking at It's hard to, 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 to see it that way when there's still so much of the season left to go. And, and I'm not going to go 28-2, and two, guys. Can, can they're, they're not. Um, but at the same time, yeah, they're probably pretty – critical because just just you know even based off of what we saw two years ago we know what it takes we know the amount of big wins that you need to have and what your resume needs to look like um you know especially in the non-conference season one of the knocks you know two years ago was that they didn't have you know the non the non-conference schedule to get in um so you know they've got northeastern on wednesday and this is a northeastern team that did beat vermont however i will say that uh, Vermont's point guard Trey Bell Haynes did not play in that game. That's true, so that, and he balled out yeah, that tonight. Would have made a huge difference. Um, but that's another, you know, top one twenty-ish, one thirty-ish chance at a victory there. And then obviously, you know, the big one against Syracuse, maybe even more so than than Maryland, uh, maybe even more so than Vermont because of the fact that it's an ACC team. You're going into their place which obviously Maryland was a neutral floor. Um, you know, so so just, you know, just looking at it, even without the students on Wednesday, I, I my, my prediction, I guess, is that Bonna would be able to take care of business in that game, setting up, uh, and I hate to, 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 to put too much hyperbole into the, the it. The showdown. Setting up just, a, just an unbelievably massive, massive, massive game against Syracuse. How many times over the years have we said, oh, this is the biggest non-conference game since Schmidt's been here? Well, that would be the biggest non-conference game since Schmidt's been here if we're talking about uh, 9-2 and two going into that game. Absolutely, and some people are obviously already talking, talking not only bracketology, but multiple people have already been talking top 25 if, if Bond is, wins the next two games. While while I think a lot of that uh, 
a lot of that depends on the, the, the perception from the voters and the media right. on Syracuse. Not even just on Bonas, but on Syracuse because it, it took overtime to beat Georgetown today and a lot of people aren't taking Georgetown seriously with their, what, D, are we going to call it a D2, D3 schedule? Basically, that's what it is. Like, obviously. <laughs> it's the worst non-conference schedule Ken Palm's ever seen. He said. I don't know and, if you saw that. And, and Ken, Palm's, Ken Palm's a genius. We, we live by him a little bit here. So... I think a lot depends on that perception, but I will say if you win the next two, then you beat UMass, then you're going into the new year at 11 and 11 and 2. Then if you could possibly and and I mean it is possible. I don't know. I'm not trying to make it sound impossible, but it will be tough at Dayton and then at St. Joe's. Obviously I'm talking about how we can't how everyone can't look ahead to Syracuse, and then I'm massively looking ahead. But I'm saying, if you win those games, then you're 13 and two. I, I and then that that Monday, the the polls come out, and I think no doubt Bond is in there. I think the winning the next two could definitely get them serious in the considering votes. But considering they don't have a vote yet, is making me think that. What would you, JP, as a, as an AP voter and and Seton Hall fans, if any if any of you are listening, oh, JP predicted the future that your that your uh, Seton Hall team would lose today. What what are they? What what's their what's their mascot? Uh, Pirates. The Pirates. Uh, JP predicted that uh, predicted uh, that loss for you today. So, JP, as an AP voter. What would take you to put the Bonnies in the top 25? <laughs> well, I think, like you said, it's it's more so perception than maybe how actually good you are. People have to know what you're doing in order to, 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 to put you in there. So I don't know if there's an exact number on it, but I would say that if Bonna were to close out uh, with a pair of wins here, it would be difficult I think for any team at an A-10 level or above to be 10-2 and two with the kind of resume they have and at least not start getting some votes, some uh, attention there because, like we said, they, they'd be 10-2 they'd be and, they'd be ten and two with three top 100 wins and two or three others that are borderline top 100. I think any other A-10, if you, if you, if you were a, a Dayton or a VCU over the last couple of years with that kind of resume, I think you'd, absolutely, you'd probably be ranked. You know, let alone just receiving some votes. So I, I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, yeah. So you know, I, I and, and 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 you know, the thing is, they are starting to turn some heads here. We are starting to see some some national stuff. I think Rothstein put out one of his palpable palpable buzz. Palpable. Okay. So people see that though. As much as we joke about him, people see that. You know, I think even as as recently as last week, Seth Davis. Who's one of the one of the 65 AP voters in addition to me, to myself? Um, had it, had them in his kind of also it's, receiving votes list that he calls almost famous. And then he took them out, so we'll see if they're in on on Sunday. Okay, so that Sunday that kind of stuff can make just as much of a difference as getting the actual wins. Um, but but again, yeah, and I don't I don't think I would write anything necessarily right now about forecasting this, that part of it. 
but if they were to be, you know, if we go uh, for opening up our, our presents on, on Christmas morning, Bonnet at 10 and 2, which actually happens to be the day the poll comes out, um, you know, to me, they, they'd certainly be deserving of being in the discussion. That'd be, that'd be a nice Christmas present for Bonnie's fans, a top, a top 25 a ranking months. in the poll on, on Christmas yeah. morning. Just just uh, just to continue to talk about the Syracuse game, I think that one guy that you've been high, high on from the start has been O'Shea Brissett. We're not going to have another podcast before the Syracuse game, so we might as well get into talking about them a little bit. They're, as, as usual, they have come in without, as usual for the last couple of years, they've, they've had not a lot of notoriety, but like coming into the season, and a lot of people say Syracuse is down, but then they go out and, and, and pull off these, these big wins that are so Syracuse trademark wins that even the most Syracuse hater among Bonnet fans, even they have to uh, admit that Syracuse is always going to be tough and with their athleticism, that zone. What, 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 what do you think of overall about the game? You've, you've got your prediction for Northeastern out. Now, what's your uh, what's your general prediction for the Syracuse game? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I have a score prediction yet, but I, I guess I would say that just given, um, you know, I think this is the youngest Syracuse team that Bonna will have played in the you know four now times that they played them under Schmidt, uh, and, and and you know what else helps? I think it's it's a little bit later in the season where. Uh, the past couple of instances, it's been so early. Bana, you know, was still kind of finding itself. Uh, I think that was the case two years ago. Obviously, that was the should-have-been tournament year, but that was only like the second or third game of the season. Right. Bana wasn't quite itself yet. And Troy Tyson was out. They were short-handed a little bit. Yeah, and they're far enough into the season now where we see that they are, you know, starting to, to, to find themselves and it's starting to come together, especially with Adams back in the lineup. So just from that standpoint and the standpoint that, you know, Syracuse is still very talented. Let's just say that first and foremost. This is an ACC team with ACC talent who I wouldn't be totally surprised if they were in the conversation, you know, for the NCAAs at the end of the year. But it is their, it's, it's their youngest team. They don't, they don't have that, um, you know, maybe star player that they've had in the past, even last year with like a White or a Leiden. You know they don't they don't have they don't have that guy per se. You know this year, um, you know, but we, we we haven't seen it. We this 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 team this program hasn't beaten Syracuse since 1984. You know, if I'm not mistaken, I think they've lost 13 or 14 in a row since then. So it's always going to be a tough game. But I will just say that that yes, in the in, in, in recent memory, I do feel like this is probably their best chance of winning that game that they've had. If we want to go back to the bench and the depth of this team, which you could you could very well contend that it's been the deepest best maybe most capable bench in a long long time with how Bracken's been doing and how Stockard's not even a starter on this team. A lot of people thought going into his his career at Bonas that he was going to be going to be a starter before all the injuries injuries came. 
the fact that you consider Ikpizi also coming off the the fact the fact that a lot of these guys have been coming off the bench that that wasn't that wasn't seen a lot in the 2015-16 game because like like we said like we said Jordan Tyson was out for that game uh, th it was shorthanded it was a team that Caputo this, was suspended Caputo was suspended oh, wait, 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 was that last no year? that was last year there was something else somebody was was suspended or something because something, they had a real short bench something else game. might have might have happened we'll look that up that's that that's our our bad for for uh, the the missed recall but they were they were really not deep at the time especially they, they weren't that deep really at all they weren't deep year. in the, that deep in the first place but they weren't deep at all in that game and in the second at the first half obviously they came out on fire Syracuse had to call multiple timeouts everything like that Ifana got out to an 11 point lead at one point it was the, the start of the game was a big lead going into halftime had the lead second half the wheels kind of fell off and everyone got everyone got really tired and I rem I still remember Jalen Adams talking to us after the game admitting yeah we we got really tired out there and that's what the Syracuse zone does no matter who's in it no matter what experience or or obviously experience ties into it because the better more experienced it is the better it is but with those athletes in that zone they got worn down extremely quickly not to mention the the pace that Syracuse can play on offense sometimes and so so Jalen Adams admitted to us we got really tired and then that that kind of set off a funny moment when 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 Sh considering he said that after Schmidt in his press conference did said his usual thing of 20 21 year old kids aren't supposed to get tired but that was a factor I think that could also aid Vana in this this one is that their their bench is so deep and we we've, we've seen in all different environments that Isaiah Brackington, Mati Pizzi, these these guys aren't scared to come off the bench in these in these moments, especially considering I think this might be the closest some Syracuse fans might give me hate for this prediction, but I think this is going to be the closest the Carrier Dome has been to a 50-50 crowd. Maybe, maybe ever. Yeah, I mean, there, there's as, as we've you know seen there and heard, there's just going to be a caravan, you know, coming who, from Bana and only into who that Who have game. you guys? Who have I mean, who has everyone talked to that isn't going? The venue's big enough. They get you know they've gotten like thirty thousand plus there, where it's still going to be mostly Syracuse fans, but you know that Bana fans are going to put a pretty noticeable dent in that place up there to, to the way that few teams can do um, and, and, and and yeah that'll be you know the, say what we want about how young Syracuse is this year or maybe they're not quite as talented as they are in a lot of other years but you're still going to have to deal with that athleticism and that length um, they still have ACC athleticism and length they're 6'6", 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", 6'10", you know in their starting lineup and that, and that was you know the issue two years ago that those two things just kind of wore Bonnet down, as you said, especially against that zone. Um, and, and so that is something that can win out in the end. And we've seen that over the years with Bonnet and some of these BCS games that they play a really, really good game. But at the end, they just kind of get worn down by a team that's maybe just a little more athletic, a little more talented, a little longer. Uh, but I think with this team, they've already shown one 
that they can play against a team with that kind of length because Maryland was huge. Oh, they were massive. Maryland was huge. The and they, mon- and they, out and there. And they still won that game. So they've shown that they can they can they can handle it before and now they're gonna have to do it, you know, against Syracuse in a different setting in the dome in a true road environment. Um, but but again, like I said, I, I, I you know, I, I think in any year that you can go in feeling like, man, you can bodies can win this game, I I, I, I think is, is is this year because of because of those factors and 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 you know they're they're playing with a world of confidence right now, and and, and it, it does seem to be, you know, kind of coming together. Syracuse will be that next, you know, real big test to see, okay, just how much it is it coming together. Um, but between that and and um, what they've shown at the end of some of these games to be able to pull them out, all of that stuff together, I think that's what is going to give them. You know, a chance to, to finish the non-conference ten and two, and, uh, and and absolutely be in the conversation. I don't think anybody could have predicted anything more than ten and two going into the start of this year. Exactly, and if if people had heard that Bonas was going to be eight and two at this point in the season, would people sign off on it? I think most most fans with any sort of appreciation for what this program's been through would absolutely take eight and two at this point in the season. Obviously, not the games that many predicted they would win and lose out of that circumstance. But eight and two is eight and two, especially since TCU is just going to keep on winning. Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, they're they're. I mean, the fact of the matter is, <laughs> they're a healthy. Adams away from most likely being nine and one. Nine and one yeah. with a loss to a team that hasn't lost yet. <laughs> TCU is one of like the four or five remaining unbeaten's in Division One. Jamie Dixon, heck team. of a coach. They're a top twenty team. I mean, anybody would you know you you that's how close they are from being. I mean, in, in anything that could be considered an ideal ideal position right now, nine and one. You know, if they have Adams against Niagara, uh, with their only loss coming to TCU, again, I'll say, any 8-10 team that has that resume, they'd be ranked. We'd be talking about the number 23 team in the country right now. Um, so they got to continue to win, you know, to, to, to continue to prove themselves and, and you know, push themselves even, <laughs> even further away from that Niagara loss because for as bad as that loss was, you know, I remember saying that night, it's up to Bana, and even on the first podcast I think we did, it's up to Bana how that loss is going to be perceived at the end of the year. And so far, they're showing that clearly, clearly, this is not the team that we saw on, on, on opening night when there's probably, it's the, it's the first night, there's jitters, there's new guys at Stockard's first game. There are people in that position for the first time. There's a little bit of panic at not having your quarterback out there. Clearly, this is a, a team that's night and day from what we saw in that first game. No doubt, no doubt. We cannot wait for the next edition of the podcast to talk to you after Bonaventure Syracuse. There's going to be so much to talk about, no doubt, after that game, almost as much as this game. going to wrap it up a little 
we're we're gonna wrap it up a little bit right now. Uh, JP, anything uh, anything else to say? Well, uh, I did see that we got a pretty interesting question, but we we but we want to wait for before delving into that whole thing. The question was about Adams and where he could potentially uh, end up in the grand scheme of things of, of the great all-time Bonner players. Before we open up that whole can of worms, uh, we should probably just end this one now, and we'll get into that one the next time. It's a good question. It's good food for thought. Um, and we'll talk, and, and, and clearly, um, we know that Adams is going to be in the discussion as uh, one of the greatest players you know, to, to ever play here. Uh, but we'll get into that whole thing. We definitely want to get into that while we have while we give ourselves, obviously this game was just so much to talk about. We want to get into that one. We have a little more time. Got a, got some other questions as well. We're gonna have we're gonna have the podcast where we can get into those Q and A's certainly a little more. Somebody did ask um, what I what I liked out of my garbage garbage plate: um, hamburger, or hot dog. That's not even a question. It's hamburgers, hot dogs. What what? What pl- garbage plates are you eating? Ian Rappaport came to Bill's training camp and had had a hot dog garbage plate. I I just have to end on end on that rant. Garbage plates. You you gotta have the hamburger. I'm so disappointed that I didn't uh, didn't get to have one this time around. But I know when I return back to Rochester for Christmas, I'll be having a garbage plate. I'm Chucky Maggio. He's JP Butler. Our ever inquisitive. Photographer Derek is in the back chilling with us. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next time.